Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest today is an educator doing amazing things inside and outside the classroom. He's a published chemistry teacher at the District of Columbia Public Schools and a public speaker. He's also the Department of Defense STEM ambassador. He received a bachelor's degree at Southeastern Louisiana University with a biological sciences major and a concentration in molecular biology. He then received a master's degree at Texas A&M in biology with a specialty in microbial genetics and genomics. After starting a doctoral program, he decided that his destiny was in teaching. He went on to change his career path and obtain his teaching certification at Howard University and soon after began his teaching career. Since COVID started, he's gotten a nickname as the Kitchen Chemist for using his kitchen to do live science experiments through social media with his students and students all over the world. He's part of the Smithsonian and Shell Diversity in STEM Teaching Advisory Committee and Black Male Educators for Social Justice. He has been on Good Morning America, Diane Sawyer 2020, Fox 5 DC, NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, ABC News Heroes of 2020, and Amazon's Prime series, Regular Heroes. He believes that education should not be limited to four walls and teaching should be a work of heart. Let's welcome today, Mr. Jante Lee. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for being on. Uh, we know you are busy, so we appreciate your time. And how are you doing today, Mr. Lee? I am doing extremely well. You know, I just got back from my morning walk that I do daily. And so I am energized and and that I'm ready to discuss. Awesome. 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 All right. All right. So let's get let's get started, man. Um, So uh, we know you kind of changed up your career, um, you know, like when you started your uh, doctoral program and everything. But let's dive in a little before that with just the uh, how you developed that passion for science and, um, you know, what, what your life was like as a student. Yeah, well, well I've always had a love of science that. I believe everybody has a natural love for something, and science was my natural love. Mm -hmm. I love to ask questions. I love to experiment. I love to see if I change this, what would happen. And so I always had a love for science. However, I wasn't always the best student, especially in uh, high school. I went to high school just to eat lunch, basically. <laughs> and I I was physically present, but I was not mentally present. and so. When I got to college, that's when I started to turn myself around academically and become more um, more unfocused. And so the lesson that I've learned is where you start doesn't mean that's where you're going to end. Yeah, that, that is a great lesson. And I think a lot of people can relate, including myself, to just going to school, you know, just just to chill and just to eat and, um, you know, have, have a good time. And I don't know for you, man, but for me, school was really boring, man. It was just like nothing there for me, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. did you have that same experience or school wasn't boring it just i didn't want to be there mm. mentally i did not want to be there um going to all boys catholic high and that in high school it was difficult um school just wasn't a place where i felt i was safe it just it wasn't a place where i felt i could be myself Mm. School 
I enjoyed the knowledge part of it, but the lesson that I've learned from my experiences is to always check in with students to see where they are and just to see where they are mentally, where they are emotionally. And because one of the vice principals, he wrote to me um, and because he saw the accolades I was getting and, and, and he said, man, that I bet the values you learned in, in, in high school are really showing up. And that I wrote back, I said, I was a mental mess in high school. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and that we, we laugh, but it's serious. And I, I said, yeah. I was crying invisible tears. Mm. I was screaming silent screams and no one noticed. So high school wasn't this great place for me. However, it was up to me how I wanted to transform my life into happiness. Got you, got you. And the reason I laugh is because, um, you know, like sometimes like when, when you accomplish something, um, you know, the people that helped you the least want to take credit for it. So it's just, it's just a funny thing, um, that, that happens sometimes, man. Like people that, that just had nothing to do with your success, you know, want to be a part of it now, you know, and, and want you to claim, claim them as being, you know, somebody that helped some people that helped you and things like that. Um, but just, uh, diving into your mental health, like what were some of the things that, you know, you were experiencing that you were having some difficulty with, like at the time? Oh man, that home life was a complete mess. Mm. It, it, it just was a mess that every type of abuse you can think of, I've already experienced it by the time I was in high school. I've already witnessed it. I've already seen it. I was a part of it. And so children are resilient, but they, and, but they still need help processing what is happening. And oftentimes as adults, we overlook children and that as not having feelings, not having emotions because they're not adults yet. And, and so we feel, Hey, you know what? Just do what you're supposed to do and just, and just push through it and you're going to be good. Mm. But we don't give them the tools on how to push through it. We don't give them the tools on how to be good. Mm -hmm. We don't listen to, and, and they say, look, what's really happening here? And so when a, a child comes into a classroom with that mental heaviness and the teacher doesn't recognize it mm -hmm. and the teacher doesn't transform the, cur the curriculum to meet the student where they are, they're not going to be present. Yeah, and just to tell mm -hmm. a child, just focus, just focus. But do you know what he just left? 10 minutes ago and that before he got to school? Do you know what kind of night this student had? Do you know what it took for him to get to school? Do you know some of the traumatic things that a student witnessed on their way to school in mm -hmm. some of our, um, in, in some school districts across the nation? Do we realize that? Hmm. And so mm -hmm. this child is coming to, to you with all this anxiety. Hey, I just, I just left this, this joker 15 minutes ago. And now you getting in my face about something. Mm. That's not fair, fair to the child. And the, and the child starts to feel trapped and confined. Where is their outlet? As adults, we talk about we need outlet. We need me, me time. We need time to regather. So do children. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is so important what you just mentioned there, like just having a mental checkup with the with the students. And there's no way that you're going to be able to learn anything if you are stressed out, you have a high level of anxiety 
and um, you got a lot of dealing, you know, going on at home or whatever it is, man. That's the mental barrier. Like even as adults, like you just said, when we get stressed out, you know, we can't function at work. You know, we have to go and speak to somebody. We have to go and kind of figure things out. Um, and we expect we expect let you know the kids to just be you know focused in school and do their homework and focus in class and do what they got to do. But they they are human just like us, man. Is you're absolutely right, man. So and then, and, and and then that I'm not saying we should not have content. So all the listeners out there, we should still <laughs> content. Mm-hmm. But we're not only content teachers because the student doesn't show up to us just with content emptiness and that we have to feel. Mm. They show up, the whole student comes. Problems, greatness, possibilities, deficiencies, all of that. Everything comes. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, and then you you grew up in uh, New Orleans, right? Yes, I grew up in Wallace, Louisiana. Gotcha. So what, what was your uh, neighborhood like? Um... I lived in a lower middle class neighborhood. I lived in a two bedroom trailer. Mm-hmm. Not in that it wasn't in a trailer park, that it was on a plot of land. And we had to replace the floors a couple of times because of termites, because of rotting, because it was old. And we had to use the stove to heat the trailer because mm-hmm. it was, and because we didn't have the central heating. We only had one unit in AC that was in the kitchen that was in the middle of the trailer. So sometimes it would be incredibly hot in our room mm. that was at the opposite ends of the trailer because the AC didn't make it there, you know? Ooh. A very... It was a family-oriented neighborhood because you could call on your neighbors for and for stuff if you needed stuff. When I went back a couple of weeks ago to my old neighborhood, um, so many houses are torn down. It's just empty plots. Mm. And you're in, in that as a, as a, as a kid, you just see all the amazement and the wonder and everything seems so big. But when you go back as an, an adult, you, from a different perspective, you see how small it actually is and how. Yeah vacant that neighborhood is so but the neighborhood always felt safe always felt safe there were no robberies or break-ins or stuff like that there were no murders um the neighborhood i was in was safe got you got you annoyingly safe to the (laughs) fact that where if i did something wrong my neighbors told my um parents and then that i would get in trouble so that part was annoying so you had the it takes a community part, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, not not when you were a kid, but it's awesome now. <laughs> um, yes. So, how, where was your was your area affected by Hurricane Katrina at all? Like the no, the, no, yes. okay, uh-uh. no. Um, the West Bank where that I grew up at, it was not. Imp- I mean, there there. Not let me, let me rephrase that. There it 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 was impacted, but it had minimal damage com- compared to. East of the Mississippi River. Got you. Got you. Okay. All right. So, um, so through through high school, were you interested in science? Like, were you were you um, fascinated by it or anything like that? Is that something you picked up later on? I was interested in psychology. Well, okay. y- yes. In in high school, I wanted to be a cardiologist or an OBGYN or a psychologist. 
Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Yes. So how did you find, how did you find out that like this science thing was your thing? Like, cause I know you, you did, you did your um, bachelor's in biology. So were you like experimenting with it at that point? Well, um, okay. So after, have you, have you, have you seen the movie Legally Blonde? With yes, 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 I have. It was a long time ago, but. (laughs) Yeah, a long time ago. In the movie, Reese Witherspoon um, was applying to law school. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the law school um, admissions counselors, members, said, I just think she woke up one day and decided to go to law school. Guess what? I woke up one one day and decided to to go to grad school. I had zero guidance. Mm -hmm. Like, zero guidance. I walked the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University and uh, they had informationals on the wall, like informational flyers, mm-hmm. apply to grad school. So I just started ripping off the informationals. I filled them out and I sent them off. In my mind, and this is my junior year, this is, this is as far as it was going to, to um, go. Mm-hmm. I had nothing else planned if this didn't work out. Mm. If it did work out, I had nothing planned on what to do if it worked out. This was just like the next step, boom, whatever. <laughs> Going with the flow. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even flow. It, it, it wasn't even a trickle. It was just like, okay, just, I did this. Um, I got accepted and into Texas A&M Uni- and University and College Station in their PhD program. So mm-hmm. I skipped the master's and went straight to the PhD. After a year in the PhD program, I realized I don't want this. I don't like this. And that was very courageous of me. And I didn't realize it at the and at the time, but now I do, for me to say, I'm walking away from what this is. Mm. I don't want this. I'm going to try something new. And oftentimes millennials get a bad rep for being blind mm. or for not sticking to something. But mm. it also takes courage to say, this is not for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I did not get my master's in biology, but I had enough graduate credits. I had 30 plus graduate credits in, in science. And, but I never finished my master's in biology. Got you. Got you. Yeah. All right. So, um, what, what was your college experience like? Was it, you know, were you, was it completely different from your high school experience or? Oh, most definitely. Like in high school, I was recluse. That I stayed in my room all the time. I had no life. And in college, I said, I am going to change that. Mm. I honestly am. I joined a fraternity. I, if that was something for me to sign up for, I signed up for it. Mm-hmm. I was more focused on my ac- academics that I, I came out of my shell. Gotcha. You. you know? Yep. Yep. And, and I enjoyed college so much. Mm-hmm. But however, if I could go back, I would really enjoy college. Now, <laughs> I, I, I did like college, but still dealing with some of my mental issues, I wasn't always fully present like I should have been. Mm. I wasn't, I, I, I couldn't fully enjoy the moment, but mm-hmm. it was a lot better than high school. And if I was to go back now, oh my God, I would do things so much differently. <laughs> oh man. All right. So um you finish uh you get started with your doctorate program and mm-hmm. you decide it's not for you and you stop doing it. And now you're transitioning over 
to like to teaching? How did that like come out in your head that teaching? I always wanted to be a teacher. If I look back at it, I always want, always wanted to be a teacher. Always. My mom did not want me to be a teacher. Mm. Oh, bro. She fought against that every step of the way. And there were times where I capitulated and just waved the white flag and said, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> I'm not. And I was in corporate America. This was my fourth year. Mm-hmm. And my my uh, manager and I, we were not getting along. My director and I, we were not getting along. I really didn't care for the team that I worked with. And not that they were bad people. It's just I didn't want to be there because mm. it wasn't my passion. It wasn't mm-hmm. my calling. And plus, I was living in in Lawrence, Kansas and working in Topeka, Kansas. I didn't I didn't I didn't want to be in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I laugh. I got placed on probation. That on PIP, Performance Improvement Plan, 30, Mm -hmm. 60, 90 days. And I was like, I want to become a teacher. Like, I want to go into teaching. But there was no alternative certification programs for me or nothing. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to get out then. Um, I I made it past the 30 days of my probation, but I knew I was not going to make it past the 60 because my manager was doing some tricks. Hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank God that I received another job offer working for a nonprofit in Rhodes. You know, I was, I was there for a year and a half and through in Rhodes, that's when I transferred to Washington DC. Once it, once again, I was not happy. Like for, for my first six months, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But after that, it was like, Oh, uh, I just, I was not happy. I was not happy. And and at, at the time, I started teaching part-time at the University of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed teaching so much my part-time job. Loved it. That I was like, this is what I want to do full-time, you know? And University of Phoenix is online, right? It's online and plus, and plus they, and they, they also have in-person classes around the um, nation. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I'm at Inroads teaching at night. Here comes my manager again, my new manager. We didn't get along. I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I was sending out 20 resumes a day. Wow. 20 <laughs> a day. No callbacks. Nothing. Hmm. And I was driving down Georgia Avenue. I heard this program for alternate sort of um like alternative um teaching certification. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, two months later, I'm in a I'm in the classroom. Wow. Never look back. That's a quick program. <laughs> yes. Wow. It was a great program. So uh you went you went right into DC public schools from there? Yep, I went right into DC public schools and love and I love teaching in the district. Hmm. All right, all right. How were those first like uh few years? Because you know, um, and I know like DC has its own issues in the public school system with like, uh, I think, um, the, uh, the Amazon, the, the prime heroes that you did, like that show, they mentioned mm-hmm. that, um, I think it was like 50% or something like that of students, like do not graduate high school. And I thought that number was like really, really high. And, um, you know, so what was your experience like in like those first few years, like in the, you know, in the, in the public school system? 
you don't get to become a good teacher your first year. You know, I was good, but not where I'm at now. And some of the things I put those students through, I want to go back and say, I am so sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> I am so I feel you. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> now it's my first year teaching through love. Mm. I teach through love. Growing up in the deep south, you are taught children should know their place. Mm -hmm. They should be seen and not heard. Mm. Do not participate in adult conversations. And we want their knowledge to be very limited because when they do know something that we feel is adult, our response is, what you know about that? You mm -hmm. don't know nothing about that. Mm -hmm. And we suppress children. This year, I wanted to do the opposite. Not start off mean and stern. We start off with love. Now, granted, students and children, as children, hell, even as adults, we, mm -hmm. we push boundaries to see right. how much we could get away with. And there are times where I have to pull a, a kid aside and say, hey, this is not cool, but I do it through love. I do it through mutual respect. I say, do I respect you? Yes. Well, I want you to respect me. And you're not turning in my work. That's disrespectful to me. Absolutely. Not, not the conversation of you're not going to make it in life, blah, 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 because hell, name eight things you remember from your geometry class. <laughs> huh? I would fail that test. I would fail that okay. test. Okay. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All of that stuff that we were, that was crammed in, into our head and that I'm not saying is not important because there, there is a place for it. But how do we make students feel? Mm -hmm. Even things I made an A on that I studied, I would have trouble going back and taking that test now. I agree. I agree. The, and, 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 and because some of that stuff that I never used after that point, mm -hmm. but it did expose me to options. Um, that's how I approach teaching now that it has evolved. Sure. I, I, I am going to teach the, the, the content, but I'm going to do it in a, in a loving way. Yeah. That, I, I can totally relate to that because, um, you know, I think your, your first few years with when you get into teaching, you kind of like see what other teachers are doing and then teachers are coming up to you saying like, you know, don't smile until after Christmas. You know, like it's like, yeah. it's like, a <laughs> it's like a battle, you know, between you and the kids and the students. And, um, I agree. It's not supposed to be like that at all, man. And I had that, that internal struggle as well. Just like with the, uh, you know, do I be mean? Do I be myself? Do I be nice? Like, what do I do? And it took for me, like, uh, another teacher coming up to me and just saying like, just for, Mr. G, just relax, just be yourself, relax. you know? And I, I needed to hear that like my first year because I was on edge, you know, because people were saying like, you know, don't smile until after Christmas, like make sure you're stern and so they don't take advantage of you and all this stuff. And you don't know any better, like your first year teaching. So it's like, you kind of go with that. And then um, you kind of have to figure things out for yourself. So I definitely, you know, relate to that. Um, and another component too, is just, you know, starting out with the, with the teaching, I feel like you make so many mistakes. Like I made a lot of mistakes, you know, like my first maybe two, two years teaching, um, that I learned from, you know, cause I didn't really know. You don't really know what you're doing until you actually do it. Right. So, um, with you, like what were some of like your greatest weaknesses, like starting, starting out and like, 
how were you able to 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 um you know to transform them into strengths or or work on them to improve? I started out mean. I started out giving too much homework, mm. way too much, way too many assignments, way too much. I started out being unyielding and not listening. Mm-hmm. I started out with the mentality of I am the adult. Never did I ever loom over children and made myself feel more powerful than than them because I was always grateful that I was part of their educational journey. Right. But there were a lot of times I could have been a lot more compassionate, a lot more understanding. I could have listened more. Absolutely. And then um, I know like uh, they say like chemistry. I don't know if you started off teaching chemistry, but they say no, chemistry. I did not. You did not. Okay. All right. Um, but you were teaching in the sciences. You started off teaching yes. or biology or mm-hmm. yeah, biology and marine science. Ah, got you. And I, I think even the sciences and all, all the sciences really, I feel like um, you know, a lot of black students and students of color struggle with, um, like they look at it as just you know like uh this impossible task where they just don't relate to like the world of science and you know all this terminology and you know, being in the lab and doing all these different things. And even um, chemistry, I know they said chemistry is like one of the top three hardest um, subjects in high school. So how, like, you know, how were you able to kind of figure out how to break it down in a way that students would enjoy the class and for it not to be that hard? It was, I used to watch, I can't think of the show, but it's with the chef Elton Brown. Mm -hmm. Good Eats, that's what it is, Good Eats. And he taught the chemistry he taught, well, he showed the science behind cooking. Mm-hmm. Whoa, bro, wait, hold on. And that's when it opened up my mind uh-huh. that chemistry is applicable. Potassium permanganate. Like, when, 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 when would ever I use that shit? <laughs> Never. But I do use sodium chloride every single day when I cook with table salt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That how do we make chemistry more applicable, more at reach for students? Mm-hmm. Um, the best learning, the best teacher I had, one of them, one of them, one of the best was Sesame Street. Ah, I can relate. I can relate. Absolutely. We would sit for hours and watch that TV show. Yeah. Hours. <laughs> Not move. Mm-hmm. And we learn. Mm-hmm. So chemistry itself is not difficult. It's the way it's presented. Mm -hmm. Do we present it as we are telling the story? Do we present it with excitement? How do we present chemistry Mm. for our students? That's the challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you do a a whole thing of like uh, just um, getting, I think you do like getting students to understand like uh, uh, chemistry and science terminology. Like you do presentations on that. Yeah, I mean, we still have the vocabulary, mm-hmm. but I'm showing you how it's used in your kitchen. Mm. I'm showing it, showing you how it's used in the in the real world. Mm-hmm. When I um taught nuclear physics, I started out talking about the universe and the sun, how the universe was created. Kids was all interested. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then now, when I talk about nuclear reactions, which happens in our sun. They're like, oh, yeah, they're all into it. We have to make it interesting. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of your, your talents, too, um, just from observing you in some of the, you know, the series that you've been on is just relating to the students and also like, um, you know, finding common ground, finding, you know, similarities and then viewing them on equal terms. And I, I feel like once students see that, you know, you don't think you're any better than them and you're on equal terms and they can actually ask you uncomfortable questions or questions that that they might not feel comfortable asking because it might make them look ignorant or like they don't know anything or embarrassed. And you just, you know, invite them to do that. Like the the whole, you know, uh, dynamics of the class kind of changes, you know. So I think that's important as well. And you do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you mentioned before that uh, you were like you were like when you started, you kind of were like struggling with your loans, which I feel like is a huge, com- like a huge. Come on, look. <laughs> No more. I'm about to take over the interview. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You you can relax. If I could go back in college and and, and do that shit over again, <laughs> let me tell let let me tell you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was at Texas A&M graduate school. All right. At this point, all I had was federal student loans, and it was not that much. That's 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 all I had. I got these, I would get these things and in the mail about private student loans, blah, blah, blah. I take it and I, and I throw it away. Junk mail. Then, and then one of my neighbors said, yeah, I got a private student loan. And I went, oh, and that's all it took in my mind was just that little click. <laughs> it just a little, little light bulb click. Let me tell you, those people are crooks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When when I graduated graduates when when I graduated from Texas A&M, like granted, I was only there for like two three years, okay. Mm-hmm. And within a year, I took out seventy five thousand dollars worth of student loans. A year? A year? Wow. Even in mind, <laughs> my tuition was paid for. I was getting a stipend. So, what'd you do with the money? That was bullshit money. Mm. Your question, how did you bullshit $75,000? Can't begin to damn tell you. <laughs> okay. So you were stunting with that $75,000. Yeah. I would buy gifts. I had all the latest stuff, blah, blah, blah. Man. So I graduated college in 2006. Uh-huh. And they and they give you six months and then they want their money. So I was paying and then I did that deferment. Right. Well, with private student loans, you only get two deferments of the lifetime of the loan. Hmm. Only two. Now, let's look at this. I didn't have one. I had five private student loans with one company. Separate loans, okay? Wow. On my credit report, they showed up as five separate loans. <laughs> but I was given a company, a lump sum, and they'll disperse it between the five. Mm-hmm. $75,000. By me doing that deferment, those two deferments, mm-hmm. my my principal balance went from $75,000 to $85,000. Wow. Just from two deferments. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> and and that's the interest. That's, uh, that's the interest, now, right? I don't know. What, look, bro. <laughs> it was... I would say that those people are, are crooks, but you know what? I signed everything. That's true. Now, keep this in mind. From 2006 all the way to um, 2019, 2018, 2019, 
I was I was I, I was paying that shit faithfully every month. It was automatically deducted from my bank account. Cool. I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. So that's over ten years of me making payments, four hundred to six hundred dollars a month. The reason why it kept changing because I didn't have a fixed interest rate. Wow. So sometimes it'll go up, sometimes it will go down. Don't care. It's coming out of my bank account. I'm not even seeing it. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you would think after what that is from, from 06 to 0 and, and 18, what was that? Um, that's 12 years. Mm-hmm. 12 years of making consistent payments. I check my balance. Cause remember in the, in the original, it was 75,000. Mm-hmm. It was at fifty-six thousand dollars. Wow! Damn! <laughs> Twelve years, and it only dropped down by thirty thousand. I mean, well, in my mind, only twenty thousand dollars. Right. Then when I looked into it, I'm like, oh, it was eighty thousand dollars. Wait, twelve years of payments. I only paid off thirty thousand dollars. People pay off cars that much in five years, mm-hmm. and we talking almost three times that amount. What the mm-hmm. hell? Mm-hmm. Man, I made myself a promise to God right then and there in my hallway. I said, God, if you do this for me, I would never get in this situation again. I promise you. Because over the years, and I made good money. Mm -hmm. You know, I got the teacher bonus where I got $13,000 a lump sum. I I mean, I I mean, I mean, money came through. (laughs) I, I had money from DCPS. I had money. From the University of Phoenix, I mean money, but I, but I was just, you know, and me and God have to have an honest conversation. Right. Jante, it's not the money; it's your mindset with the money. Mm. Okay, all right, Lord, you do this for me. Mm-hmm. Fifty-six thousand dollars within one year, I paid them off. Wow! And this is where those people are crooked. Okay, five loans. It at that point, because I made a myself a promise, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay this shit off in one year. Listeners and out and out, out there, don't always tell people your dream. Don't mm-hmm. always. Some and sometimes you do, and sometimes you you don't. You have to have that dis discernment because some people are so negative, Nancy, that mm-hmm. they can dis discourage you. Mm-hmm. Some people don't see the 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 possibilities. Then second lesson: why you should or or, or should or, or should not do it. Then some people like, like, like to nag the hell out of you with every day. How you do the loans? How you do the loans? How you do the loans? Hold on, wait, just chill. Chill. <laughs> Third reason why you don't always tell your dream to everybody because your dream may not work out at that moment. And then you got to go tell this person about it that it didn't work out. And now you have to manage your emotions and their emotions. That's so true. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, um, a lot of my um, friends, even even my close, close friends, they don't know until after stuff happens. For an example, and then I'm going to get back to, to the student, student loan part. If, if, if I'm about to go on the TV show, I tell no one. Because mm. I made the mistake and I, I told one of my friends, I said, guess what? This TV show called, but you can't t- tell anybody. <laughs> and just told her daughter. I'm like, you're not supposed to tell anybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited for you. Yeah, but this is for me. And then after that, I said, look, I'm not sure if this is going to happen. And because whenever you get on, uh, um, whenever you get the first call, 
there's not it's not always a guarantee they're going to put you on because mm. they have to pitch you so many in so many times right. and then find the, the schedule and then see in that in, in that and um if you fit with the story mm-hmm. well they wouldn't call you if they didn't if they didn't want you no because the one thing i i was taught um jack a harris sandra from 227 she said in an interview that Debbie Allen or Debbie Morgan, I can't think of the correct um last last name, and I'm so sorry, taught her. Mm-hmm. Once you leave an audition, put it put it out of your mind. Take it and put it and just file and file it away. Don't even think about it. Because when you think about it, you begin to reminisce and you begin to ruminate and you and all of your emotions go up. Mm. So if you get it, good. And if you don't, you are disappointed, but you didn't, you didn't invest a lot of mental energy in it. So that's, so that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And so, and I told my friend, I'm like, look, don't bring it up. But I have a really good feeling about this. (laughs) All of a sudden people start to become prophets. Mm. Okay. Don't bring it up to me. That's good advice. That's good. Three days later, guess what she did? So did you get a call back yet? I saw. Mm. Are you about to bring this up? So for me, I don't tell that to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I didn't get it, oh, I am so sorry. How are you feeling? I can't believe this. It is their loss. Now I have to manage your emotions again. Gotcha. So gotcha. I don't say in anything. And so back to the um. And, and so those are three lessons. Sometimes you do have to tell people your dream, and because they can enhance it. But you know your friends and you know your, your group and you know what you, you are able to, to handle. Sometimes it's better to, to tell a stranger than your close set. <laughs> that, is, that is great advice right there, man. And because you can manage the stranger better than, than, than your close set. Okay, now back to the story about the student, student, student loan. Made uh-huh. a promise to God. And I, I only told very few people, but I did not tell them my timeline. And uh, one day I was at class paying off my student Long's morning had like three minutes left the class. The student asked me, what are you doing? And I used it as a teachable moment. And he was fussing at me about my mistakes I, I made in the past with dollars <laughs> money. And he's like, uh-huh. Mr. trying to make you feel bad. I'm like, there is nothing you could say to me that I have not already said to myself over these past 12 years. But, and, but guess what, Bubble? It is about to happen. Every time I paid off one of those loans, I would um, post it on Instagram. And to let people guess what? Check. Just paid this off in, in two months. Mm-hmm. Boom. Check, check, check. Paid them. I paid them. I paid them all off in one year. Here is what they, 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 they did. In my year of dropping out these loans, my monthly payments started to increase. Right. And I called them. I said, I said, why? Well, your interest rate is increasing. Why? I'm not a credit risk. Mm-hmm. I'm paying this stuff off early. Oh, because of the loan that, that you signed. I said, but the, the U.S. National Treasury is decreasing interest rates. Why is mine going, going up? Mine was, was based on a whole nother London blog with, with whatever system. So, so a whole nother country was based a on a whole nother thing. <laughs> I didn't even re- re- realize I wow. paid those people off. Never look back. Kudos, so, kudos. So happy. And then that changed my mindset with money. Mm-hmm. That I have money in my savings account, mm-hmm. but in my mind, that money is just un- untouchable. If you ask me, are you broke? Yep. Because I only have <laughs> this in my checking account. Got you, got you. 
Yeah, that that is um that's amazing, man. I feel like a lot of people can learn from that. And that um like you're right, sometimes we don't even really need to take out those loans in college and we just wanna keep up with the Joneses or do whatever it is and we don't mm-hmm. realize like, wait a minute, there's interest. Wait a minute, I gotta pay this back. Wait a minute, you know, I'm not sure how this loan works. Um, so I think all that stuff is important, man. And I feel like with certain things too, man, like if with, with like you just said they're crooks and I and I completely agree with that. Like with certain things, like you got, you know, people that are going out there to be educators, to be teachers, to to change the world and to 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 do something productive for society. And I have to pay for that. Like I have to pay full tuition to become an educator. That's gonna be working for the I have to pay the government to work for the government. <laughs> I'm not mad at those people. Uh-huh. And the reason why I'm not is because I took out those loans. Yeah, yeah. That seventy five you, you, you had an option. Right. Mm-hmm. That was not for my education. That wasn't for survival. That was bullshit money. <laughs> so I had to learn that lesson. I take full responsibility for that. Right. Right. <laughs> got you, got you. All right, so um, do you want to know something else? Yes, sir. Let's hear it. I paid an in interest the equal amount of the original principal of the student loan. Wow. Let, let, let's just break that down because I know some people might be scratching their head as to what that means. <laughs> was the original principal of that loan. Mm-hmm. When you look at the interest I paid, seventy five thousand dollars. Wow. So you paid the you paid the loan twice, pretty much. <laughs> more than that more than okay. that and now hold on wait for for people out, out there who are not understanding this if i was if i was to submit four hundred dollars on payment mm-hmm. only sixty dollars sometimes went towards the principal of the loan three hundred and forty dollars went to interest so three hundred and forty dollars went in those people um pockets sixty dollars went to what they gave me Wow. What does that tell you? I was. This loan stuff is just the ultimate hustle, man. The ultimate hustle. It's the it ultimate... is. <laughs> man, you're paying $400 and you only, only $60. 60, 60, bro. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy, man. But when I saw that, shit, I went, Oh no, it's, it's, it's time to go. Yeah, man. All right. So, um, so just uh back into like your your teaching man um you know a lot of people don't don't know but black male teachers account for like 2% or less mm-hmm. i do say or less cuz you know me myself i have a hard time finding black whenever you see a black male teacher it's just like it's in, it's a like wow moment like and y'all just you know give each other the look like yo what up <laughs> and let me speak on that you ready yeah yeah when bro the reason why black male teachers do not stay in education long and the average lifespan is, is, is it's five years. Here's what the research is showing. Mm-hmm. The school sees us more as disciplinarians and not content experts. Mm. They give us the most difficult kids mm-hmm. to deal with. Thank, thankfully, 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 my current principal doesn't do that. Right. Because they feel because principals feel, oh, you can handle this. So I'm not going to give your white counterpart these kids because your white counterpart can't handle it. Hmm. Um, I was on an educational panel and that I was in with other principals. And that when I mentioned that, I asked the question, I said, why do you all do that? 
because you're not helping this white teacher. What was the response? Well, as a principal, our first thing is just to create order. Hmm. So this is one less thing and on our list to um, deal with. But what you're not thinking long term is that you are not making this white teacher better mm -hmm. because you're and because they're not going through the fire of learning how to deal with difficult kids. Right. And you just burnt out this black teacher just so you can have a temporary moment of honor. Hmm. Now what happens? But you're so good with those kids. Yeah, you could get good with them too. Absolutely. And then, and, and then quiet and that as it's kept. The reason why some principals and assistant principals don't do, don't give that white teacher those difficult kids because mm -hmm. they don't even know how to properly train the teacher and support the teacher and how to deal with those difficult kids. Mm. So let's just give them to the black male teachers because they look the same and they, and, and they should be able to relate. No, guess what? Those difficult kids give us hell too. <laughs> That's a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. And it's difficult because it's like straining a muscle at, all, all the time while you're in class because you're constantly alert as to what may happen. Mm -hmm. So difficult kids, they need an education. They honestly do. Right. But don't just dump them all and into one class and say, hey, here, teacher, handle it. And because you can't, I'm about to walk away. Got now, you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we are a limited breed. And that... And that's and that is an issue that education system that they're gonna have to deal with. Absolutely, man. And um, you know, I think it would be hard pressed to find. I, I feel like even a black black female black male teacher that has not experienced some level of racism in the school system. Um, yeah. Between parents, other educators, staff, whatever. Um. So, like, what what how, what how has your experience been like, kind of with that kind of with racism? That As a black male teacher, ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The difficult parent that I encountered, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm saying is it 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 it's a challenge. Are the single female parents? Because mm. they view me as the black role model that their child needs, right? And rightfully so. Their mindset is not wrong. But miss, I only been knowing your son or daughter or non-binary gender for 18 minutes. You've been knowing this kid for 18 years. Hmm. I'm not sure how much I could tell you. But I'm their teacher. And sometimes we are expected to put on the mentor father figure hat. That's true. And sometimes I can't do that because I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that I'm so overloaded with my 170 kids here that I'm not sure how much I could do with this one. Right. That the amount of time that you want invested in this one. And that's why we need a community effort to pour love at all angles into this kid and not just one. Hmm. To where I would get phone calls at 8 p.m. and at night. Mr. Lee, can I just talk to you? 
whoa, miss, hold on. There has to be some boundaries here. Mm -hmm. So I have to set up boundaries where I will give you my Google number, not my real number. And there, and there are times where I turn it off because I have to turn it, it off. So it is a challenge, mm -hmm. that piece of it, because we in our community, African-American community, it's one hand helps the other hand, in which true. Mm -hmm. But sometimes my hand is not strong enough to help with this issue. Right. So that is my most challenging one is because I, I do want to give, but I don't because I have to have a life for myself too. Hmm. Absolutely agree with that. Um, I know too, you mentioned that, um, I don't know if it was a parent, uh, that, that came in and called you like an N word or something like that. And you had to deal with that in a previous interview. We, we all like, how do you deal with the white parent who, who comes in there doing parent teacher conference mm -hmm. and then on their way out of your classroom, they didn't have the decency to walk around the corner before they call you the N word. Wow. What do you do? <laughs> what did, what did yeah. you do? <laughs> you can't suspend the parent. Uh huh. And then you have to make sure not, not, not to take your anger out and on the, and on the, um, child. Mm -hmm. You just have to deal with it. And, and where's the outlet for teachers to deal with stuff like that? There is none. See, here's what I think should happen. And that I'm being serious. Mm -hmm. Doctors, nurses, teachers, Firemen, para paramedics, police officers, we need to have mandatory bi-weekly therapy sessions. Ooh. We do. Mm. Okay. We do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we live in a high-stress environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what was the result of that, of that parent? Like, um, did the school do anything or like what, 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 like how did you respond to it? I just ignored it. Okay, okay. Because it's not what you call me, it's what I respond to. Okay, okay. And at the end of the day, lady, dad, you need me. But you just, some, some battles are, the, the saying is some battles are not worth fighting. Some battles are not, are not even battles. Mm. It's just stuff you just ignore. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and, and two, like um, some people might say, well, he should have went in and cursed her out and did this and did that and da da da. But would you have and changed her mindset of you, like from doing? Like teacher went <laughs> off. Uh huh. Teacher has gone off. Teacher is now fired. There we go. There we go. And then, but you could file a lawsuit and sue the district. You know what? I most certainly can. But what am I going to do in the in the meantime? But and but before I get my judgment. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I think that's important, man, to to just handle those things with thought and not just with emotion. Like, I'm sure it wasn't the best thing in the world for somebody to call you that, but um, dealing with, you know, how am I going to respond to this? And sometimes it's not even worth responding to, you know, and I tell students this too, because, um, you know, students come up to me with, with issues like that, with um, somebody calling them the N-word and things like that. But um, what is what is your response? And I remember one of my students uh, mentioned that they were at like a, a concert and they were like, yeah, Mr. G, like some, some white kids called, called, you know, me and my friends the N word. And I was tight. I wanted to punch them in the face and this and that. And I'm like, all right, cool. What'd you do? He's like, you know what? 
I thought about what would happen and the cops were like right there and they were looking at us and, you know, I knew like we'd get arrested and we would get blamed for it. So we just walked to the other side, you know what I mean? Like, and, and left that alone and we still had a good time. I'm like, you know what? That was probably the best thing you could have done. Like, you know, in that type of situation. And, and, and the, and the thing is that I don't want your listeners to, to feel just to endure stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, 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 and, but there's an assessment. By her calling me the N-word, does that impact my pay and my bills? No. Am I that that N-word? No. Um, will it impact my life at all? No. If my boss did it, that's something different. Ah, yes, sir. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If my students did it, that's something different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this person here, and I, I learned this lesson from a reality TV show. Well, you ask the question, does this person even matter? Mm. No, the person doesn't. Now, think about this here. At the end of that year, that parent came back. You have done wonders with my child. <laughs> Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you, miss. I did my job. Sometimes we have to change people's mindset through our actions, not our words. Hmm. Not or or not action for action. Gotcha. Now, granted, did I wanted to have another reaction? Most definitely, I, I did. But I had to stop and think. Play the long game and not the short game. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into into you pretty much going viral, man, with the uh, with the kitchen chemistry, man. Um, how'd this stuff all start, man? Like, I actually, I actually found out about you just really like sitting down with the family and I'm watching NBC Nightly News. I, I watch that all the time. I'm watching NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt and boom, there is Mr. Lee right there on the screen talking about chemistry and doing all these experiments little black kid talking about you know i like him because he looks like me and da, da, da. And i was like yo that's really cool man <laughs> and um that's actually how, how i ended up hitting you up but um how, how did all that like con- you know start and um how, how did it go from you just doing it for your class into becoming like this viral thing for your listeners out there listening it's purpose mm. that's that's how i can say it is purpose Play the long game and not the short game. Cause, because this is my, because this is my second year currently and at my new school. And last year was my first year. Mm-hmm. And when they hired me, oh, we kept going back and forth. Okay. We want you. Okay. Cool. But you will have to teach physics. What? <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. No problem. That's, that was my Google, um, home that I said what and there was and I was like no I'm not doing I'm 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 not doing physics like no 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 mm-hmm. okay look you could do physics and AP biology hmm no 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 I just don't want the physics bro like I really don't want to do the physics okay we're gonna make you a teacher coach mm. and where you teach halftime and you coach the other half. And you teach physics and biology. 
Okay? AP Biology. All right. Bet. I could, I can do this. After I signed everything on the dotted line, well, that was a change in schedule. You're going to be teaching physics and chemistry. What? <laughs> the two subjects I did not want to teach ever, ever. And now I have to teach it. <laughs> I'm already stuck because I already signed the offer. Long game, short game. Mm-hmm. I could have went in there and I could have acted a fool. Like, no, you promised me this, blah, 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 blah. I didn't do it. I took it. And lo and behold, by me teaching chemistry and transforming my kitchen in, into my chemistry lab, this would happen. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners out there that are listening, especially the younger generation, sometimes every bump in the road is not a bump in the road. It is a stepping stone to get you to another platform. That's what it, and that's what it was. And so that's how it all started was me stepping into my purpose. Mm. That we have to trust whatever greater power you all believe in, but I know the one that I believe in is that there is a plan. Right. Now you would have asked me last August, August of, um, 2019, that would I be here right now? No. No, indeed. (laughs) Have you would have told me that me teaching chemistry would have led to this? Mm -hmm. No. No. But sometimes we get in our own way so much, so much, and that I'm reading the book now by Tyrese, How to Get Out of Your Own Way. Sometimes we get in our own way so much. <laughs> I believe this. God has to step in and say, let me help this, this boy out in that because he's about to mess this all up. <laughs> and that's how it started. So me teaching chemistry. Got you. Got you. So, all right, you're teaching chemistry now. And, and, um, and, 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 and I want to say this. And that's a lesson all people to walk away from mm-hmm. is not all the intricate small steps that got me to this. Mm-hmm. What got me to this was walking and standing in my purpose. Mm. Me, nine years ago, um, is going to be 10 coming, coming up saying, I am going to be a teacher. That's how everything starts. So mm. when you walk in your purpose, things like the Bible says your, your gifts will make room for you. Absolutely. That kind of reminds me of the alchemist a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, great book, great, man, um, great book. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, so so COVID hits now, like, and that's another like just thing for us all, man. Where we're like, how on earth are we gonna transition into full online and you know keep the uh, the rigor the same and everything? And um, so what, like, what, what? Uh, how did you figure? Like, now I'm gonna start doing. Um, my my classes on um social media like uh, i well, think you started I, one on instagram right at, at, at the university of phoenix i was already um able to integrate in that online platforms and things like that but by me using social media this this is where our generation is today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so why not why not use it absolutely absolutely and then um so first it was like yeah just your students and then yeah they they your students try to share 
joining in, and other students started started joining in. Then other teachers started joining join, join, join in, and parents would would would, would put join in, and it, it 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 just went boom. And I love it because I am I am now a community teacher, not a not a teacher that's bound by four four walls in my classroom. Yeah, that is amazing, man. Um, I think that's definitely the approach to teaching, especially that um, there are so many, you know, people in the world, like uh, spe specifically Black people that that need, you know, the education from um, somebody that looks like them, and it's hard pressed to find it. And I think that you doing this stuff online allows, like, you know, some of these kids and um, people that need that to to see a Black male in the science field. Now it's not so intimidating. Now I can see myself doing it. Now I can see myself learning it. I think that's very important. So um, I'm glad you did that, man. And, you know, definitely my kids will be checking out John Lee's videos and, and learning some science as well, man. <laughs> and um, speaking of that, I know you do a lot of different things with, with your students, man, that you, um, you know, you give, you give them, um, you know, gifts for going away to college and just, um, you know, certain things that, the average teacher does not do like the above and beyond stuff. So um, I, I, I know you mentioned like in a previous interview too, like that uh, you do it in order to like pay it forward from like teachers that have helped you out. So um, what, like, what, what uh, are your students' responses? Like when, when they see that, you know, this teacher is doing all they this They love stuff. it. <laughs> they absolutely love it. And because you see them, you paid attention to them. Mm -hmm. You invested in them. You shown them love. They who doesn't love stuff like that? Absolutely, man. Who doesn't? No, everybody does. Class, right? In class, and this was old, and 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 that, and that I stopped class to do this. They asked me, Mr. Lee, who is your favorite student? Me or her? <laughs> and I went, Oh, here we go. In my mind. <laughs> And then I said, there's no comparison. And I listed off the qualities I love with student A. And I listed off the qualities I love with student B. Dang, Mr. Lee, you really noticed us about that? Yeah, I mm -hmm. did. And then, another next one, well, okay then, Mr. Lee, who's, who's your favorite, me or him? And they made me do the entire class. Wow. To where I was like, one of them, I said, you are my silent Tweety Bird. And it's like, what do you mean I'm Tweety Bird? Even though sometimes your voice is small, it is strong and impactful. Hmm. I called one, another one. I said, you are the mother of the class. What you mean? I ain't nobody, mama. <laughs> yeah, I said, you are. Because whenever a student is, is hurt or sad, uh -huh. they gravitate towards you. Because you are nurturing. And you build them up. Then word got out. I did that for, for for my first period, and I swear to God, second and fourth period, I had to do it all. And look, <laughs> other kids from first period snuck into my second period and fourth period class to see what I was going to tell the, tell the other ones. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, man. I, I I definitely think we need to do more of those things, man. Just acknowledging the unique and special things about the students, and just like having those teaching moments that are just outside of just your 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 subject area. Um, yeah. to, to just acknowledge them, man. And, um, you know, sometimes I do stuff just outside of what I teach with the kids. And then you find out like this kid has this amazing talent or this amazing ability that you would have never known before. Or, 
um, you know, like they, they, they don't get, you know, the I love yous and the I appreciate yous and they, 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 you know, start crying or they, they, they find. Uh, let me tell you, bro, I had this love, this girl got out of my nerves. So <laughs> we have to stand out and then the hallway doing the transition and, uh, and usher kids to, to class. And so I'd be like, fifth period, two minutes before the bell rings, let's go, blah, blah, blah. And this one kid, I don't know why, like kids are just, they're just some weird, 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 some, some, somebody's, I'm telling you. <laughs> he would walk past my classroom, mm-hmm. period, and I would get out of my desk and I would start chasing her, down the hall, chasing her. She would get to the threshold of my door and start laughing before she says fifth period because she know what's, what's about to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and I wanted myself, I said, who wants to be chased around the freaking school all day long, bro? Like who? That's when it hit me. She wants somebody to pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. And by me allowing her to be a kid, a kid, a kid, she loved that. And, and, and that's one of the problems that I, I, I see with adults. Um, sometimes they are overly reliant on the kid. And don't allow the kid to have a childhood. Hmm. They want that man that well, yeah, 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 that's the right term. <laughs> at the age of eight. Wow. So you are not a man of the house. Hmm. How the hell an eight-year-old is gonna be the man in the house? Telling a 13-year-old boy, okay, it's time for you to become a man now. 13. The pressure. Yeah, man. You got some grown ass men in that who aren't men. So why take that away from them? We don't allow them to be kids. We don't allow, we don't allow them to be silly. 13, well, it's time for you to grow up now. <laughs> I agree, and, man. What? Like where? When? Like on what <laughs> timeline and are you thinking here? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Parents who teach high school, this is the worst thing that you can, you, you can say. Well, I was, I was, I was active and up until in eighth grade, this is a parent speaking, but now in high school, that uh they're on their own now. On their own. <laughs> so now you wonder why they are doing other things. Because mm. you didn't allow them to be children and have that childhood. By me running this kid up and down the freaking hallway, just for those two minutes, mm-hmm. I'm a child. Yeah, I can yeah. be me. I am back on track of my proper emotional development timeline. Mm. Because some kids became adults way too quickly. Absolutely, man. I feel like COVID is even making that even, you know, more so because a lot of these kids now, and like you mentioned before, with the knowing what your students are like kind of doing outside of the school and what's going on in their lives, man. You know, some students come up to me and say, like, you know, Mr. G, can I hand in the assignments late and whatnot? Or, you know, things like that. I'm like, why? You know, what, what's going on? And and they'll say, well, you know, I'm helping my little brother with, with his assignments all day and doing that. So I do my stuff later on or whatever. Like, that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure in that. And, and you know what? I, I get it. I am not parent bashing. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But that's the situation. That's the reality of it. But situations where we have taken the child away from their childhood. Mm. And now this child has to make an adult decision. What do I do? Yeah, absolutely, man. 
So just on that note, man, just uh, I know like as educators, we we kind of deal with, you know, especially as uh, somebody that kids can relate to you, like they come up to you about like everything, you know, like everything and anything. So um, with that said, like just with your whole experience and things like that, like what what do you think is um, kind of the most difficult component of you just being an educator at this point? And then uh, what you think the most rewarding part is? So the most difficult and the most, the most difficult part is, and this is this is one of them, where I, I did take on a mentee. Mm-hmm. And uh, DC Tag is a program in DC where kids get money from DC government to go right. to school. Uh-huh. Okay. We had to fill out that FAFSA form, the FAFSA. The father did not want to provide his social security number for nothing. Hmm. I don't want my number in the system. Dude, it's a social security number. It's already in the system. <laughs> and I literally watched that child shut down Man. in front of me. Shut down. Hmm. The father didn't want to help the his son. Mm-hmm. So your child cannot go to go to and, and that child did not go to go, go to college. Wow. Did not and that child is capable. Man. He was capable. Is... He can't get student loans because you don't want to fill out the FAFSA form. <sighs> That's so difficult because it's like you it's out of your hands. You know, you're not you're not the parent. It's like Right. Or a parent a child got a full scholarship to Ivy League school. Ivy League, full scholarship, full. Parent told the child, I don't want you to go because I'm going to miss you too much. Whoa. Wow. Wow. The child went to community college. Oh, my God. Whew. Man. Man, that is... That's That's just... Can't even no words, man. I have no words for that, man. That's those are the those are the difficult moments. Those are that as teachers we witness, but we can't intervene. Yeah, you're not the parent. Yeah, I couldn't forge his name on that FAFSA application. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. That I couldn't. Make the kid go to this Ivy League school? I couldn't. Hmm. And that's what I talk about sometimes how we take our, uh, our children's childhood away from them. Mm-hmm. An mm-hmm. Ivy League school, and if you played it right, could have provided lifetimes of connections and networking opportunities. But the but the parent didn't want the child to 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 go away because he was gonna miss him. That's that's sad, man. I'm gonna be lonely in in this house. So you made your child your best friend. But mm-hmm. the best times are, we start over with them every single day. They come in there with great opportunities, great possibilities. Their um smiles. That's the part of my job that I absolutely love. Absolutely. Um, agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, so we talked about, you know, a lot of, you know, just uh, different things going on with uh, education. And I know you're a part of 
just different uh, groups, uh, you know, black males for social justice and uh, different things of that nature um, within just education, social justice. What do you think are, you know, you, you tackle so many different problems, but what do you think are some of the major issues that need critical attention like right now? They all need it. Mm. They all, and I'm, and I'm, and I, 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 and I froze for a second so I could think about it. They all need it. It's dangerous when we begin to prioritize one plight over another, right? Or when when we try to quantify one trauma over another. Hmm. Problems, problems. They all need it. Um, I don't have the answer because this has been the the question we've been asking ourselves since the dawn of time. There, there, I'm not saying I don't have the answer. I don't have a magic bullet answer. Mm. We all got, we all have problems on different levels and help is needed all the way around. Hell, James Evans said it, said it on best. We all going to meet in the bread line. Mm. Here we are. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's true. Um, all right. So just give us, let, let's transition that into education. So if you can paint like your picture of what the education system should be, like what districts should be like, what schools should be like. How would how would that look like, you know, Jante Lee's perfect school? What would that look like? Where every teacher teaches with love, compassion, and faith that the child can succeed. That would be it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I think you can just build from there, right? Absolutely. All right. Um, this is kind of a little off off topic, but I wanted to ask you this question just mm-hmm. because of um, your your connection to genetics and um, you having a background in that just to, to pick your brain a little bit. And I, th- I do think this topic is important for black people um, because of, you know, black people are a part of it. Um, so there is this new technology, if we don't know, called CRISPR technology. So CRISPR um, involves the the, the uh, change of you know genes, so that can lead to uh, scientists figuring out how to cure diseases and how to enable people to do things they were not able to do because of different ailments and things like that. So, for example, there is a, a woman, a black woman right now that has been um, you know uh, they they've used CRISPR technology on. I think her name is Victoria, if I'm not mistaken. They use CRISPR technology on her for sickle cell anemia. And, um, you know, it's been working. She has not had symptoms in months and she's able to do things with her family. Um, but there are people that are still questioning, well, when this comes out and it's approved, how is it going to be used? Um, are, are they going to, you know, as for black people, are they going to help black people with this? Or is this going to be just another tool that separates us even more? Um, so. I just want to get your your thoughts on CRISPR and um, where where you think it's going. That's the that's that's the now we're getting into the ethics of science. Mm-hmm. CRISPR is a great thing, but it it, it, it has the potential to be used for something bad. Mm-hmm. It, it like it it that honestly does. Um. What we need more of is acceptance. And this is what I mean by that is that every day during my lunch, I go into the autism classroom 
And I bring them potato chips, chips, popsicles, just to say hi. You know, sometimes they remember me, sometimes that they don't. And I'm like, but you saw me yesterday, but sometimes they, they don't. Like, I'm, I'm, I have to introduce myself all over again. And I love that part. I love working with them. I was walking up the stairs, going to my classroom one day, and I said, if I had the power to heal those kids, I would do it. Mm. And God said, why do you think they need healing? Mm. Mm. And that shocked me. I have to heal the way that I see them. Mm. I say that to mention with CRISPR, I hope we don't try to change genetics so much to where we want people to be the perfect person. And anything that we deem as a deficiency, we try to wipe it out. And that's where we get into eugenetics. Mm. But CRISPR has great possibilities. Um, there even talks about this to be the possible, possible cure for HIV and AIDS. Mm, I've heard that too, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, cancer. So great possibilities. But I don't want it to be where we don't, where, where we lose our individuality mm -hmm. and where we lose our sense of you may be different, but that doesn't mean you are deficient. Mm. Because I'm telling you, it's through those autistic kids. I saw the love of God because they wasn't the ones that needed healing. I did. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see kind of where it goes, you know, with the with the technology, man. I feel like technology is just moving so fast that, you know, we definitely have to at least be aware of it, you know, because some of these things like we'll be out the loop if we don't know about it. Like, you know, CRISPR technology is super important, man. It could change our whole genetic makeup as human beings like in the next 50, 100 years. Who knows? <laughs> Keep an eye on that. Um, all right, let's let's get into a little segment here, man, just to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, so this is uh, what's your favorite? Just identifying a few of your favorite things so you can keep it uh, short and simple or uh, you can elaborate if you would like. Um, so uh, what is your favorite uh, student success story? They all are. Ah, OK. They all are. You know, because they persevere mm -hmm. through everything. Mm -hmm. They all are like high school is is not easy, mm -hmm. and you have some who may have a higher GPA than than others, but that doesn't discount the one that still made it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um, what is your favorite school memory? I would just say high school, college, whatever, whatever. Like, what's your favorite school? And my memory? favorite school memory was in, in second grade. My second grade teacher, Mrs. Richardson, she created a classroom of, of love, safety, compassion, and where you felt safe. And no matter what was going on in the outside world, you forgot about it when you crossed that threshold of her door. Gotcha. Gotcha. Shout out to the second grade teacher. All right. Um, what is your favorite social media platform to use? I know you're on like everything. I like them all, <laughs> and because each each one of them has different um has a different audience. Got you. Got you. All right. Favorite either book or science book. 
So the book that I just got finished reading, um, it's called Jackpot by Nick Stone. So right right now, that's the book. I want everybody to check it out. It's laugh out loud funny. It's laugh out loud crying. It's I'm, I'm, I I cussed at the book. I wanted to throw the book. <laughs> that's you stuff personification. I I I have seen to and to date. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, favorite event. I know you've been a part of a lot of different things. So favorite event that you've been a part of so far. All of them, and because each one of them, I I try, I try to learn something different from. Mm. Okay, what's your favorite like lesson ever that you've taught? Like every time you teach it, you just get excited and um, oh, ready to go. Um, teaching about the in, in environment by having my kids do a water balloon fight. That's all. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That that that's awesome. That sounds like fun, man. Um. What is, like I asked you as a chemistry teacher, what's your favorite element? Oxygen, of course. <laughs> that is a that is a necessity. That is a necessity. All right. And then from New Orleans, man, the, the food is important. What is your favorite food? So I am a foodie. I love all types of food. Like if you was asking me what's my favorite one, it's so difficult for me to say that because I just I just love food, period. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We'll take that. We'll take that. So what's your favorite thing to do like in New Orleans? Oh, just walk around. Walking around? Just walk around the French Quarter and look at the different shops, interact with the different people. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. We're going to transition into another segment. This one is this or that. So just choosing between two things. Um, And again, you don't really have to elaborate. You can if you want to. All right. So you have taught high school students and you've taught, um, you teach college students. So this might be, you know, your, your kids might get upset about this, man. College or high school? Which one do you like teaching more? <laughs> both. That's it. That's it. I, I, I'm not going to answer both. Go. Perfect answer. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, high school graduation or college graduation for you? This would be like personal for you. College graduation. College graduation. Okay. All right. So as far as the experiments that you do, do you prefer making slime or making snow? Snow. All right. All right. Um, with also with the experiments, do you prefer like the explosive stuff or like the, you know, the uh, sticky stuff? Sticky. <laughs> all right. Um, and I know you play a little bit of dodgeball and kickball. So dodgeball or kickball. I like dodgeball. All right, cool, cool. Dodgeball is like out, outlawed all over, man. I, I wish, I wish schools could still do it, but I could see like you got that that kid that's like super, super strong that throws the ball and just smashes another kid in, in the face, and it's just it, it gets crazy, man. But it is fun though, man. It's it's one of them games that that are that's timeless. All right, so um, so let's just transition into now like uh some legacy, man. So. When the uh the full documentary comes out of um John Tay Lee, um and everything that he's done just in education and um you know as a black male and social justice and everything, like what what are some things you definitely want that documentary to include? Where you start is not where you're going to end up, and the importance of dealing with mental issues. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of that, how, how um 
Like problems. you know, with COVID and everything now, like what what um what are some things that you do like that you've learned to do and that you do for for your mental health now, like to maintain? Your mental I have health? book club. I reach out to my friends more, and I've learned to relax and and enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm getting more and more in, um, into cooking. Um, so I would also add too, like I, I, a lot of people probably don't know because um, I think you you have really done a really good job just uh, um, uh, tra- transforming you know, yourself. But you uh, grew up having a, a speech impediment, correct? Yes. Um, and I, I think that should be in the documentary, man. Just how how you were able to kind of transform that. Like I, I don't even. I didn't know until until I heard it. I heard you mention it like in an interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow! Like, and then I started like, okay, like I kind of a little bit, but um, you, you know, you you you've transformed and like it's transformed into something that you barely noticed. So how were you able to even do that? Oh, it comes up. It mm-hmm. it really comes up. You have to accept your yourself, and. When people say, oh, you struggle with stuttering. No, it's not a struggle. I live with it. Mm. So we have to put the person first. Mm-hmm. And just like the all, the autistic kids, because somebody is different, that doesn't mean that they're deficient. Mm, absolutely. And people who are living with a speech impediment, they still have a voice. And they still have thoughts. And so that should still be honored. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, man, I was actually uh enjoying watching your, your your Amazon regular heroes episode. I was like a short little clip, man, but I was kinda laughing at um when Kevin Hart came on and he Oh was, my god. <laughs> I was uh I was cracking up, man. He was um, you know, he, he was like, you know, you guys you guys don't know who I am? Like <laughs> you didn't recognize um, and, and you know what's funny about that too? I know you mentioned that you didn't know he was coming on. And you was trying to like X, like I could definitely relate, man. When you have them, you know, the kids like trying to test and test the Zoom and and come into the meetings and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and that's not in the class. <laughs> yeah, and so that he Zoom bombed my class, and uh, I just went and and I'm into tunnel vision, like I have to protect the student, I have to protect the student. <laughs> but if I would have known it was him, I'd be like, ah. So, yes. Yeah, that that was fun, man, and and um. And I know you mentioned too, like uh, that that day was important because all your students that that came in that day and what showed got, up got some nice gifts, man. And I think that's so important, man. Just showing up every day, regardless of you know what 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 is going on, because you never know what day might be most impactful and all that. So yeah, John, tell you, man, I appreciate you so much, man, for just giving us that time, man. Um, can you uh, leave us with maybe like your favorite quote and kind of like what it means to you? Julius Caesar, in the play Caesar by Shakespeare, he was on the courtyard with Cassius and Brutus walked by on the terrace. And Julius Caesar said, such men are dangerous because they think too much. Hmm. That's the dangerous thing. It's thought. Wow. Be dangerous. Hmm. Think for yourself. Educate yourself. And that's what I leave you with. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Dante, man. It has been fun. This was amazing. 
Yes, sir. Likewise, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. And I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm motivated, man. And I know people listening to are motivated and they probably want to get to know you a little more, learn some more about what you do. And I know you respond to everything. So um, where can people find you if they have questions, if they're struggling in chemistry or whatever? Man? On uh, my Instagram, it's, it's my first name, Jonte, J-O-N-T-E, my middle initial R and last name Lee. So it's all one word, Jante R. Lee. All right. There you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the program and share it. Uh, I think this one is definitely a special one. Um, you know, uh, how many black male chemistry teachers do you know? Um, so make sure, you know, if you have a question, hit him up. Check out his experiments. He does them live on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and they're a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. I am inspired. Hopefully you guys are inspired as well. And remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind.